0: good morning everyone behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity before i begin the sermon let's pray together lord i thank you that we are together whether here in this chapel or at home on zoom I pray that my words would be acceptable in your hearing and that the body of Christ might be built up. Amen. So I'll say it again, just for fun. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. Our Psalm for this morning is Psalm 133, which begins with behold, meaning look at this, take this in, observe carefully. The psalm is a psalm of ascent, a song that would have be been sung as the tribes went up to Jerusalem for the festivals. Imagine King David standing on a hill, looking across the valley, and seeing throngs of his people, God's people, families, members of his tribe, the village, the nation of Israel, streaming before towards Jerusalem. He was so moved that he wrote this psalm and later the pilgrims were singing it. The psalmist says, it's beautiful, so good and pleasant. It feels right and the sight gives pleasure. He uses two metaphors to match his feeling and speak of that unity. First, it is like the precious oil that runs down from the head to the beard and on the garments of Aaron, the high priest. This scene is from the book of Exodus chapter 29 where Aaron is consecrated, dedicated, he and his sons as priests to offer prayers and sacrifice. Here the oil is a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit to set him apart for his role and work as a priest. One who converses with God, standing between the people and God, making sacrifices on their behalf. The second metaphor and maybe I could ask Scott to actually, could you just put, the, put it right up there on the screen? It's not very long. The second metaphor is like the dew on Mount Hermon, moving down to the mountains of Zion. Now Mount Hermon is a big mountain near in Lebanon. And the clouds have come over that mountain and then come down on Israel and put their dew all over Israel. So it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit covering and uniting in a blanket of moisture all the land of Israel. Like the dew, the Holy Spirit unites, refreshes, and gives growth. For it is there in the mountains of Zion, in Jerusalem, on the Temple Mount, God's footstool, where God commanded a blessing. He commanded a blessing. And you thought that commandments were only rules and prohibitions. No, he commands a blessing. What's that blessing? Life forevermore. And that's also where Jesus spoke his words of eternal life. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Let's take a closer look at unity, what that means, both on a human level And on a spiritual and God-given level. On a human and relational level, we are very much social creatures with an individual consciousness. Science has yet to fully explain what consciousness is and how it works. Scientists admit that there is much to learn about how the brain makes the mind and how the mind is self-aware. We are fearfully and wondrously made. What we're even less aware and have less general understanding about how we function in groups, in society, in nations, in humanity. What connects us? How does this thing work? We don't really understand. We feel it. I was talking with Gene this morning. I said, it's a bit like when we first had computers. And everybody had their computer, they could do their calculations and write on and do things, but they weren't connected to one another. They couldn't talk to one another. They were just in their own little worlds. And then they had offices and everybody had their computers and they wanted to connect those. So they had to run wires, it was called LAN. I think my brother was a a LAN specialist. And then we had the cloud, the internet, And all these things became interconnected. All those those connections, we can barely understand what they are, we can't see them, but they're connected. And those are like the connections we have between us. We barely understand what they are. We don't know how we connect with one another, how we read one another's eyes, how we feel what another person is feeling. We can understand what another person is thinking, how we communicate, how we join together. So what are we as human beings together? Well, Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of this pasture. We belong to him. It's like the difference between how European settlers and how native people saw the land. Settlers took the land and they owned it. They made boundaries and farms, farms from the word in French, they closed it. It belonged to them. The native people on the other hand, belonged to the land and were part of mother earth. We We human beings have a powerful desire to belong. We need to be part of a family in a family we know the love of mom and dad of sisters and brothers and the extended family we enjoy nurture shelter safety and identity we can't even imagine the pain and sorrow of being orphaned of being removed from our family of not knowing who one's family is or the pain of a broken family As humans, we look for connections, friends, mates, community, a story, neighborhood, a culture, a team, an affiliation, a profession, a party, a country, meaning, and God. All things bigger than ourselves. If we miss these things in life, what pain, what loneliness, what lack of fulfillment. And yet, in the West at this time, it's a divided time, isn't it? People are fighting a lot, it seems, in society. Individualism seems to be promoted sometimes over community. And community is often undervalued and unexamined. So-called self-made billionaires are lauded Independent thinkers are rewarded. Rebels look cool and get the girl. People who are influencers have fame and many followers and are cheered and admired for their media savvy. And people who follow are denigrated as blind sheep. Advertisers, leaders, politicians, and influencers prey on such. They tell us, that there are shortcuts to fulfillment and membership that comes with their product or affiliation. Once someone is captured by a brand or ideology, they make decisions and see themselves by what they own and what owns them. But the Psalm says, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Behold, take a look. We humans, when we act together and think socially, we are like sheep. We follow, we share languages, values, markets, education, friendships. We have more in common than we do apart. So now, if you have clarity, if you can see this, the moment of clarity is when we can choose not to be independent, Because that's a place of misery and loneliness. And it's an illusion. Because we're not independent creatures. We're made up of everybody. We are everybody. So, what do we have in common? The big issue is, when we come to this realization, is who is worthy to follow? Who's good? Who can we follow? Who is the good shepherd? What story shall we live in? Whose family do we want to be part of? That's when we have the choice. We don't have a choice to be independent. Because as people, we are social creatures. We've been made for such. We here, we have decided to follow Jesus. And we are tasting how good it is to dwell in unity with him and with one another. He has made us for this unity. That's why it's good and pleasant for us and to him. Being together, enjoying one another's company in friendship, joys, and sorrows, with prayer and fellowship, with much love, with God in the midst, surrounding us, being part of his body. It is a pleasure, it feels right, And it's a joy. Now, for this next section, I'd like us to do something that the Hebrews do in the Passover supper. In the telling of their story, they have a call and response at every stage. For instance, if God had only delivered us out of Egypt, if that had been all, it would have been enough. So after I say, if that had been all, I'm going to get you to say, it would have been enough. As Jesus followers, we know and believe that Jesus lived and died to cleanse us from our sins and reconcile us with his father. If that had been all, it would have been enough. Then Jesus calls us to a life of love and service. If that had been all, it would have been enough. But there's more. He set us on a journey, a pilgrimage to the holy city to meet finally with him at our death or at the arrival of the new heaven and earth. If that had been all, it would have been enough. And there's more. He gives us his Holy Spirit. That we might know him on our journey. If that had been all, it would have been enough. The Holy Spirit inspires cleanses refreshes us on our way if that had been all it It would have been been enough enough. and there's even more jesus says in john chapter 14 verse 20 on that day you shall know that i am in my father and you in me and i in you jesus unites us in his being with the father If that had been all, it would have been enough. Jesus goes further. He unites us all together in his body. John 17, 21. Jesus prays to his father that we, we may all be one as the father, uh, as you father are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. If that had been all, it would have been enough. And so I say at this stage, enough already. (laughs) Because, not because there isn't more, there is always more. That's because we don't have enough time today or even a lifetime to unpack all the blessings that we have in God. God commands the blessing. Life everlasting. And it's life everlasting because it will take eternity, eternity to enter into and appreciate all the blessings of God that we have in God as we dwell in him forevermore. And there lies our hope, my friends. Let's move from these uh, exultant passages and just Think about what unity means in our congregation, in the church, uh, in this world today. St. Paul, you know, he never talks about working towards unity or achieving it. Because unity, this closeness we have, this connection that's real, that we can't see. We know it's real. We know that the Lord is between us around us, working through us, uniting us with him and his body and all the saints of old. We know it's a grace. It's a gift. It can't be achieved and worked towards. It's to be received and entered into. So Paul, he rather speaks of maintaining it, of maintaining this union, Ephesians 4, chapter 1. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to do one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. This morning, we are doing many things that affirm and strengthen our unity and increase our joy in what is good and pleasant. We have gathered together here and even at home, knowing our connection is in the spirit. That's a profound thing. We can barely understand what it is that connects us when we look into one another's eyes. The spirit connects us in an even more profound way to one another and God. We are together in him. We sing together, becoming one voice, a beautiful sound, or with me joining in, a joyful noise. We lift our praise together in the spirit to the Lord. We pray together in the spirit to God, saying, amen, which means, let it be so. That's how we agree together. Jesus says, if any two are agreed on any one thing, it shall be. This unity is really important for him and for us, for our prayers to be heard. All service long, we are working to recognize this unity, to strengthen it, to perceive it, so that when we say our prayers, we can say amen, so the Lord can be part of it, can hear it, and the prayers can be answered. If we have disputations, if we have arguments, if we have fallings out, I don't think the Lord's going to hear us. He's going to say, fix that first. He's more concerned about our togetherness. Liturgy is advantageous for us. We can say prayers together. We can actually say them together because we can read them together. It's not just one person saying a prayer and everybody's saying, Do I agree with that? You know, what I go along with that. No. no, we know what the prayers say. We've read them before sometimes. We know them backwards sometimes. And we can say amen. And that strengthens our unity. We read the word together and receive it and are built up. We're built up together when we hear the word. Not just individually, but together. We confess our sins and acknowledge that we are flawed. And this is the place where I will admit that as Christians, we haven't always gotten it right or maintained the unity. Certainly, if you look at church history and the history of Israel, um, it's not pretty. <laughs> and, but I think that the hidden stuff, the unseen stuff, probably means there was a lot more unity than we witnessed. We probably witnessed a lot more of the disunity. Um, even even in our own congregation, we struggle to maintain this unity, but it doesn't make it less real and it doesn't make it less um, enjoyable. We pass the peace. Passing the peace is a very important thing to do. It's complicated now, isn't it when we can't really, you know we have to use elbows or something like that. But passing the peace means, that we're at peace with one another, that we're reconciled with one another. So it's really important when we're passing the peace to be conscious of the fact that if you have something against your brother, don't take communion. Make sure you straighten it out first. Make sure you're united with with your brother or your sister. You have that worked out because it's not going to be true communion if we do it otherwise. Passing the peace is an affirmation we have done that that we are living together. We will all be partaking in the Holy Meal, in the sharing of the body and blood of Jesus Christ given for us. Let us all eat and drink together united, deeply appreciating, counting the cost, seeing our brother, our sister, receiving from our Lord the gift of unity. May we experience how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that you love us this much, that we have been reborn into one body, one spirit, one faith, one hope, and one calling. To you, O Lord, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. Amen.